Our second reading today comes from Paul's letter to the Romans. In the seventh chapter, begin with the 14th verse, Paul's been talking about the sin and the law and this kind of interplay with those. And then he says this. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold into slavery under sin. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good, but in fact it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inmost self, but I see in my members another law at war with the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will rescue me? from this body of death. Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. And we'll end there. Join me in a prayer. What in the world is Paul talking about, Lord? What does he mean with this interplay of words and phrases that seem to feel all jumbled all together? What is, what's happening? Help us with it as we begin this series today on a playful faith. We pray in Christ. Amen. How many playful people do you know? Playful people. How many? How playful are you? If your friends were to write down a list of descriptives on your personality, would playfulness be at the front of that list, or might it be somewhere towards the back, or not there at all? How playful are you? Do you want to be more playful in your life, in your day? What about your faith? When you hear the word faith or think of your faith, does fun come to mind? Probably not. It might for some of you, but I'm willing to guess that fun and play don't kind of jump to the top of that list either when you think about your own faith. We tend to think about faith as a serious matter, you know. Faith is reliance on an almighty God who has saved us from ourselves in Jesus Christ. You know, it's, it's trust, it's serious stuff, faith. And it is, it certainly is. But I can't help but also believe and think that playfulness 
has a place in our faith. So over the next couple of weeks, the coming weeks, we're going to explore what a playful faith, a playful life might entail. Seminary professor Dr. Jaco Hammond suggests six practices that we might have to help, as he put it, awaken the playfulness within each of us. Six practices. The six practices are, the six things to practice are realness, creativity, boundlessness, slowness, hospitality, and transcendence. We're going to cover all of those eventually, but today we're going to talk about the first one, the practice of realness. Being real is, you know, about one of the first things we start to ask about is someone's realness when we think that they've just said something outlandish or are pulling our leg. What do we usually say when someone comes up and says, well, I believe this and it's something crazy and out off the mark. And what do we say? We say, are you for real? You for real? Are you being for real? You're not for real. I'm going to go do this. Oh, you're not going to really do that. Not really. You're not being for real. You're just playing around. That's kind of the phrase we use. Are you for real? Are you really for real about this? You know, that actually might be the question that you may now be asking after reading this passage from Romans on I do what I don't want to do and I don't do and and you know, and we're starting a series on playfulness. Are you for real, Andy? Are you just joking around? Well, let's find out. Scholars have long debated what is actually going on in this part of Paul's letter to the Romans. They have different suggestions about what Paul is trying to convey. I do what I don't want to do. I don't do what I want to do. And Some scholars say that what Paul is doing is he's referring to a former time in his life. A time, he's referring to that, what his life was like before he became Christian. Other scholars say, no, that's not what he's doing, like Martin Luther and John Calvin. They say, no, that's not what he's doing. He is instead sharing with us his personal inner conflict, which is a consolation for us. And that's what Luther writes about it. He says, it's a consolation to learn that a great apostle like Paul suffered from some of the same afflictions that we all suffer from in trying to be obedient to God. It's, a, it's consoling to know, as Luther says. Still, other scholars will say, no, he's not doing either of those things. What Paul is actually doing is he is painting a picture of sin for us, a definition of the power of sin, and he simply chose to use the first person, I, in order to do it. That's why he says things like, when I do what I don't want to do, it is not me that does it, but the sin that is within me. So he's painting a definition or a picture for us. Well, I have to admit, I don't know what was going on in Paul's mind as he wrote these words, these phrases. But I can't help but think that some of these thoughts, if not all of them, were rolling around in his head as he put his pen to paper. And I also think but that's not what catches my eye, actually. The intent of what he's doing is actually not what catches my eye. What 
catches my eye, and I'll share this with you, is I feel like he's trying to be playful in as much as Paul can be playful because he's not the most bouncy ball in the bunch. He is a very serious, but I actually think maybe he's trying to be playful here. And that's how I've always read it. I've always read it as a playful thing. Honestly, when I've read this, I've always felt like I was reading some version of an Abbott and Costello comedy routine, right? Something like this. What do you do? I do what I don't want to. You do? That's right. You do what you don't want to do? Right. You do what you don't want to do? That's right. Well, what do you want to do? I don't know, but I don't do that. You don't do what? I don't do what I don't want to do. You don't do what you don't want to do? Right. You don't do what you don't want to do, but you do what you... Yes. Let me get this straight. You do what you don't want to do, but you don't do what you want to do? Right. You don't do what you want to do, but you do what you don't want to do? That's correct. You're right. What are we doing right now? I don't know, but I don't want to do it. And here we are doing that very thing. Yes. That's how I read it, right? But that's, that's how I read it. I read it as this kind of light attempt of Paul in this playful interchange of kind of who's on first, what's going on here. In this playful way, I feel like Paul is trying to get at what it feels like to be who we are, what it feels like to live within our own skin. I feel like he's lifting up the inherent problem of being human. And then after going through that crazy routine of his that we get lost in, he drops this great line right in the middle of the whole thing, just drops it right on us. He almost stops and says, in my inmost self, I delight in the law of God. In my inmost self, I delight in the law of God, in who God is. With this one line, he is revealing to us that part of himself that longs for something more. He is trying to be for real, sharing with us that same part of himself that we all share, where he's grounded, who he is. Dr. Hammond the Six Practices guy talks about, he says, practicing realness involves embracing the polarities that are inherent in being human. The polarities inherent in being human. Things like being grounded and yet drifting from time to time. Two poles. Being grounded, drifting from time to time. Loving others while holding up and allowing for the capacity to not love, to hate. Loving others while tolerating the capacity to hate. Being sane, but having random thoughts from time to time that point to our insanity. Feeling as if you have it together, but then, quite often even, 
feeling like you're about to come unglued, grounded, but drifting from time to time, right? That's what being real is like. And yet, sadly, doesn't our world feel like just the opposite? Instead of a world that feels grounded but drifts from time to time, we feel like the world is drifting and has glimpses of being grounded on occasion. Instead of a world that loves others and tolerates the capacity to hate, it feels like a world that hates and on occasion tolerates the capacity to love. Our world lacks playfulness, lacks realness, world has lost its inner self, that self that is grounded in that which is beyond ourselves, which we have come to know as the love of God in Jesus Christ. The reason that Paul can be so playful, if that's in fact what he's doing, if he can be so playful with all of this stuff, and even with the power of sin, is because he knows He is grounded in the love of God in Jesus Christ. The reason that he can talk about being unglued is because he believes and knows a God who in Christ holds him together. That's why he can do it. The reason he can be this way is because he knows he is loved. It is love that makes us real. Dr. Hammond puts it this way. He says... Being real is the result of being loved, first by someone else, and ultimately by ourselves. Being real, being loved is what makes us real. Who in your life has ever loved you in a way that makes you feel like a real person? you have in your life like that? Do you see yourself that way? Many of you know that years ago, a number of years ago, my father suffered from a severe stroke that nearly took his life. And what I remember, I remember distinctly the first couple of weeks of his recovery, which were very difficult. He couldn't speak. But he could make noise, and he could laugh, and he could cry, and his emotions were all over the place, right, if you know what stroke does to you. And what I remember most is that we laughed a lot. We laughed a lot. We were playful. Nothing was off limits. Nothing was off limits. If something, if he was struggling with something that the stroke had caused, we made it into a joke. We poked fun at it. I have no doubt that some of the nurses and the people of the hospital that came in thought we were being absolutely cruel to my father, but we knew we were not because we know him. And finally, after a couple of weeks, when he started to be able to talk again, he looked at us and he said, if we had not been able to laugh like that, I don't think I would have made it at all. 
in one of the most crucial times in my father's life, playfulness became paramount. He knew he was loved. You know that Barbara Bush died this week. Amazing woman. And I caught a glimpse of an interview she had about four or five years ago. And in the interview, they did turn to the, the, the conversation around dying. And this is what she said. She said, I am a huge believer in a loving God. So I'm not afraid of death. Which is good, because I'm getting darn close. <laughs> it's playful, right? The reason she can be playful like that is because she knew she was loved. She knew she was loved. It made her real. The reason Paul can write this way, if that's what he's in fact doing, being playful even about the power of sin and in our lives and we do what we don't want to do and can be all kind of crazy about that. The reason he can do that is because he knows he is loved. He paints this picture of a crazy person almost that seems like they can't do anything right at all. You get through the end of this, if you read it again and again, you just get this clear image of a person who just can't do anything right no matter how hard they try and and you, and you feel like it's him saying it about himself, and he gets to the end, and he's like, I can't do anything right, I can't do anything right. You picture him leaning way back in a dramatic fashion and say, oh, wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death? And then you feel like he stops short right there and pauses and looks out at us as he does. Thanks be to God, he says. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul knows he is loved. And you are too. You are. Do you know it? I have to admit, knowing that, Knowing that I'm loved makes me feel a little more playful. 